0: And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Happy Saturday, everybody. This is uh, starting to feel like a greatest hits album or something here. I'm coming in and I'm going to play all the hits today. Um, Yesterday's episode, I'm just coming right into it here, by the way. Hey, how y'all doing? Um, In yesterday's episode, uh, I took... uh, uh, I took the easy route, and uh I just lobbed up a softball and kind of just waited to see what people would hit back in my direction and uh, So, I posted on my Instagram story, Hey, what do you want me to talk about? you know seriously, like the lazy podcaster's playbook level one o one page one right there so um after I posted that, I got a whole bunch more so um, i 'm going to go over those as well i 'm currently sitting here it's a kind of a lazy day. Like I'm feeling, uh, you know, I'm going to record this. Um, I've got a new client plan to put together. Um, I just got back from running some errands. I finally bought those shoes. I didn't make it out last night. Cause you know, I ended up having band practice. I totally forgot about that. So I had to prepare some stuff for that. Um, so I didn't have time to run out. So I ran out and got a couple pairs of shoes today. That's my annual shoe shopping outage for the year. That's it. Um, and then i uh, had to run to lowes so um you know i built this deck um and then there's a, a the, the patio underneath which is the walkout basement section it's uh covered so it's it's rainproof it's nice and uh we got these swinging chairs. Um, they're like wicker chairs. They're kind of like pods you sit in. Um, and so one of my tasks is to hang those. So I had to get a little extra chain and some hooks. Um, so those will be going up and then had to do the grocery shopping. So I'm waiting on feedback from my check-in with, uh, coach Laney today. So, um, we'll see what happens. Maybe that'll come through here while I'm recording this. And then you can share in my misery if she says, Hey fatty, no cheat meal for you this week. And everybody can laugh at me. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, and then we're going to like an engagement party or something, and I, I don't know, and having a friend over to watch a movie, so good times, good times all around, so that is my update for me, um, so the extra questions that we had here, they were good ones, um, so what do we talk about here, so, um, Emily says, um, just as kind of a conversation starter, starter, being okay with your body, women still get shit for being muscular, yeah, absolutely they do, um, and I think mostly, um, I mean, clearly, I've talked about this before, guys always want to give women their opinion on what they should be doing with their bodies. And guys, seriously, shut the fuck up. Nobody wants to hear it, especially whoever you're talking to. But also, people around you, if they hear that conversation, they're cringing and they're being like, dude, please stop, stop. So by all means, whenever you're talking to anybody else and the conversation turns about somebody else's body and you have an opinion on what they should do with it, just check yourself right there and shut up. Because there's no good way to finish that conversation or or carry it through to any kind of productive space that's going to do anything but piss off at least one of you, probably the person that you're talking to. So just shut up. Leave it alone. Um, And I find also that, you know, I mean, clearly this is all secondhand for me, but – Women say that a lot about other women. Um, like some of them, some women can be really supportive, and be like, "Wow, you look great." And others are like, "Ew," and like, "Shut up." You know, if somebody's overweight, do you say that about them to their face? No. I mean, you know, keep your comments about people's body composition to your damn self. And and really, I mean, I would say, take it a step further and just you know erase that kind of thinking from your head because it's not helpful. It's not productive. Uh, to anybody. It's not productive to you to be judging other people. It's not productive if you then unleash that on those other people. It's just stupid. It's a total waste of time and effort and energy. And uh, all you're going to do is hurt people. So seriously, shut the fuck up. And if you want to hurt people, okay, well, that says a lot about you and you're a piece of human garbage and you should just quit. So anyway, there you go. Um, Dean says, what actual intensity in quotes is Compared to what people think intensity is. Yeah. So that's one thing that I'm always chasing down. Like when I'm doing video feedback um, from videos that clients send over, you know, I'm looking at form, I'm looking at mechanics, I'm looking at range of motion, pace of repetitions, quality of contraction, all that stuff. But overall, I'm also just kind of looking, I'm watching a lot of facial expressions. I'm like, how does this look? Because if somebody looks bored, and I made this comment to somebody in a video yesterday, I'm like, you're talking and laughing in the middle of your set. That set doesn't count. That, that you're not, you're not engaged in that set. That doesn't count. Start over. <laughs> no, no, I've, I've been there before and you might think you're in the groove, but as soon as you start moving your mouth and having a conversation with somebody, you, you're completely, you've completely lost focus on what matters, which is making the muscle work. And if you go into autopilot mode on any exercise at any time, uh, you're, you're spinning your wheels and it sounds like, wow, God, that's kind of a high standard. Yeah. Bodybuilding's hard and building muscle is hard and retaining it on a cut is hard as well. You got to be focused and it is mentally exhausting, but it's what you got to do every single day. Um, and certainly we're going to fail at that sometimes. I mean, nobody's perfect, but, um, that is a clear indicator to me that somebody is just not on their game. Um, if they're, if they're chatting or whatever, or anything like that. So, um, but also, you know, not it's not about how much weight you move. I mean, the weight is important, but it's not the only thing. So wh- when I log my workouts, weight and reps, um, are the main variables that I'm tracking because I assume everything else to be good. And, you know, I made some notes in my arm workout yesterday. I was doing a, a, a close grip bench press, um, in the Smith machine for triceps, um, and you know, the target was like 10 reps, and I put some weight on there, and I was moving it. It was hard, and I was like, I'm pushing, I'm pushing, I'm pushing. I'm like, this is a chest exercise. My triceps are completely unengaged here, completely. And I looked at the video. I'm like, well, it looks fine, but they were not feeling it. They were not feeling it. It was a complete wasted effort. And I thought I was into it, but that's just the thing where, you know, just because something is intense or hard, like the weight was heavy, those reps were challenging. It wasn't challenging in the right way. You know, I did chest the previous day, so it was already fatigued. It's trying to recover. I don't need to be throwing additional volume at it on arm day. So, Um, what I need to do is adjust the weight downward. I'm going to adjust the reps upward because it's a movement that I've had great success with before. I love it. Um, But for some reason yesterday, just because of the rep range, I was focusing less on tempo, less on squeeze, more on weight, and it became counterproductive completely. So um, the ultimate thing that matters when it comes to intensity is quality of contraction, full range of motion, unless you're aiming for partial range of motion for a good reason, Um, and muscular fatigue and tension. That's it. And I can see, like, if there's tension in the muscle, I can see it. And it's not just about, you know... um is there a pump but it's you know do things look engaged are you maintaining tension in the muscle on the negative are you controlling that um, are you can I can I see in your head can I see the gears turning that you're actively trying to feel the muscle working and you know as the muscle fibers lengthen back out are you trying to fight that and keep a little bit of tension in there knowing that you still have to release for the rep so that it actually you know the negative isn't just endless? Um, that kind of stuff. That's what I'm looking for, and that's what intensity is. It's not about how much you sweat. It's not about what your heart rate is. It's not about how many calories you burn for a lift. Good Lord, Lord knows that is the last damn thing I care about as far, as far as lifting session, how many calories you burn. Completely and totally irrelevant. That is not the point at all. Um, so in, intensity is muscular fatigue. It's tension. Um, and you, you can usually measure that also just by overall pump, amount of blood flow, um, and just how things move and how things feel. So it's a little bit more vague and arbitrary than just like, how much are you burning? How much are you lifting? And that kind of stuff. Um, Bob says, (laughs) this is a fun one, classic physique shorts versus old school singlet bikini. So singlet, I think, I think that the singlet is like a powerlifting thing that like covers your torso as well. So I'm going to just go with like old school bodybuilding trunks versus the classic physique trunks. I tell you what, at this stage and part of it's because I don't watch a whole lot of like Contest coverage for pro bodybuilding shows just because it's not really stuff that's relevant to me. I don't really care all that much about it. Um, But uh, and and so because of that, when I see guys in the old school trunks, it already at this point is like, well, that was kind of (laughs) weird. You know, it's like. It's like the classic physique shorts have kind of become the norm, or at least in my head. Maybe because I don't want to see any more of that on oh, any more than that on most guys. Like that's sufficient for me. I'm cool with that. Good. That looks normal. It's it's okay. That's kind of how they've been doing it in Europe for a while. So um, I'm I'm down with the classic physique shorts. Absolutely, completely. Um, that being said, I still have my bodybuilding trunks, and I gotta. I, I tell you what you put those things on in the off season and you're in for a shock. Um, and, and you're going to be like, okay. And I officially quit bodybuilding. Now I'm done. Uh, lights out game over. I'm, I'm done. I'm going to retire, hang these things up. And by hang them up, I mean, set them on fire, burn them and just throw them in the trash can and put the lid on it. Um, it, it's not good. I mean, unless you're just carrying a shitload of muscle, there's no way to make those things look good unless you're just super, super lean. Um, and and when I say look good, really what I mean is like look semi-appropriate and not ridiculous. Because um, when I put them on now, I look like that guy in at, at, at the beach in Cancun who's like missed, Captain Inappropriately Dressed. <laughs> that's, that's how I look and that's how I feel. Like, uh, no. No, I went to take uh, take progress picks um, a few weeks back, and I put those on. I'm like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. We're going to find something else. So um, I think uh, you know if if I do get up on stage again, it will be in classic physique. So I think I'm going to take those things and uh, chuck them. So it was a, a worthwhile investment, but uh, it's it's time to retire those things, in my opinion. I ain't down with it, no sir. Um, let's see. Uh, I always like to get the full. Oh geez, Louise! Hold on a second here. Um, oh, how do how do you get somebody's username out of this? That's the big question. So uh, here's what we go. I'm going to back all the way out because I don't want to just give a username. I want to be like, okay, who is um, who is this person? So I'm I'm looking up, and something tells me I'm going to be in for a bad time. There it is. Steve, <laughs> Steve, yes, um, Fat Fit Shred on Instagram. Steve, thank you. Uh, <laughs> he says, "Now where to go? I got to back all the way out here." And oh man, I'm a mess. I'm an absolute hot mess today. Good thing it's a day off. That's all I can say. Um, Steve says, "V taper genetics versus specific exercises." Great one. Yeah. So you know, V taper is uh, comprised of of two two main components. It's how small is your waist, and then Uh, well three I guess how small is your waist what kind of lat development do you have and then what kind of shoulder development do you have so Two of those factors are largely genetic, um, and that's waist. Like, a lot of people just have a blocky, thick waist, and that means that your V-taper is never going to be your strong suit. No matter how much you develop your lats and your shoulders, it's always going to be tricky. Um, now, you can do it. It's just you know nobody's ever going to look at you. If, if you've got kind of a thick waist, nobody's ever going to look at you and be like, wow, check out that dude's V-taper. They're going to be like, wow, that guy has got a great physique. But look at the V-taper on the guy next to him. You know, I mean, it's, it's that kind of thing. So um, if, you've, if you've just got a naturally thicker waist, there ain't nothing you can do about that. Waist trainers, blah, blah, blah. Screw that crap. No, no. I'm not a fan of waist trainers at all. Um, it, it's not going to actually manipulate your, your, the, the construct of your waist. Well, and if it does, it's not necessarily something that you want done for aesthetic purposes. Ask all the people who wore corsets in the uh, Victorian era how good that worked out for them. Um, and for people who say, oh, it's not a corset. Yes, it is. Shut up. Um, so the the other thing that is uh, genetic is, um, is your uh, clavicle width, you know. How how wide are your shoulders in in terms of bone structure? Um, Again, nothing you can control at all. So, you know, I'll I'll randomly just, you know, I'll I'll get pictures from people who are, like, considering, you know, they're like, I think I want to compete. I just don't know what to do. Um, Or, like, I want to do a a show. I want to compete in bikini or something like that. And then they send pics, and it's this this frame that's fairly slight but just has these incredibly wide clavicles. And I'm like... If you don't compete in figure, it's a travesty because look at that. I mean, come on, come on. So at some point you've just got to kind of roll with your genetic gifts and you may want to compete in bikini, but I'm going to tell you, like, you know, you can, but look at this. You are built for figure totally, completely. I mean, you know, when we're born, you just roll the dice and then some things you just get and some things you don't. And if you get that, and especially if you get like a, a tight, narrow waist with that as well, that's money, and there's uh, there's there's no amount of training that can match that. Now, if, if you take two people um, and, and you take somebody who has great genetic gifts and a lousy work ethic and somebody who has very poor genetic gifts but an otherworldly work, e- work ethic, I mean, yeah, we can kind of see some things balance out here, but then if that person with the genetic gifts kind of steps it up and they just kick it into overdrive, n- n- no, no, sorry, it's game over at that point. Um, it, it's that that's one of the big things that one of the big problems that I have with bodybuilding is there is you know yes hard work is a part of it consistency is a part of it just you know y- your ability to sustain what you need to sustain for long enough to get up on stage is part of it but so much of it really is just genetics how you were born and why is that a competent why is that part of a, a judging system in any competition it's stupid so I think this the whole thing about you know having this ideal shape that we're trying to work towards and and judge based on I mean so much of that is out of the control of all of the people who are up on stage so I I would love to see something that rewards more just like, you know, development, conditioning and symmetry rather than a particular uh, aesthetic, like on a silhouette, Um, which I I realize is a, a really, really hard sell when we can't even get judging right for what we have established right now. And like, okay, well let's make it more ambiguous and try to ignore certain things. I know it's not going to work, but boy, I would love to see that though. Um, now when it comes to the, the other elements of V taper, so lat and shoulder development. Yeah. Um, you take somebody with, you know, moderate, um, moderately wide clavicles and you put some, uh, put a killer set of delts on them versus somebody who has a really wide clavicle and is so, so delts. I'm I'm probably going to give it to the, uh, I mean, you know, I realize we're dealing with, you know, imaginary things here and we're just visualizing it. But I think that the person with really great delt development um, could very well have a leg up in that department. So, um, yeah, genetics matter, but uh, you can work around it to some extent. And also V-taper is just one component. And also a lot of people can pull it off like from the front, but less so on the back. Um, You know, you can have the greatest genetics in the world, but if your posing sucks, ain't nobody going to be able to tell you've got great genetics. Um, And also, you've got so many other factors like, you know, legs, just overall thickness, density, muscle maturity, conditioning. So just because you're not genetically gifted with great um, attributes for a a V taper, yeah, you can work around some of that to some extent. And there are a lot of other things that you can focus on as well. But good question, though. Good question. Um, Tyler says, fad diets. Yeah, um, I have a whole lot to say about that one, actually. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like yeah, um, fad diets are fad diets for a reason. You know, I mean, they come and go because um, they sound good. They sound appealing. And rather than just talking about like big picture fads, like cultural fads, like, oh, this is popular in these years. And then this is popular in these years. You know, they're also fads on a micro level because most people will adopt them for a certain amount of time and then have you know, whatever their experience is with it. And then they will quit it, it because, you know. A diet, as I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here, but a diet is not necessarily something that is sustainable. Um, What is sustainable is a lifestyle shift. And that does not necessarily mean that you're doing all the all the, you know, an aggressive cut or eating 100 percent clean all the time. But you're focusing on, you know, food as fuel um, and less on food as you know something that exists solely to satisfy cravings or as a reward system for something I think that's probably the, the most positive way to look at it um, now there are all kinds of dietary strategies and I think you know in bodybuilding circles most of those have been established now for long enough that we don't call them fads so you know a, a ketogenic um, I wouldn't call that a fad that's got established science behind it um, you know it's not necessarily suitable for everybody but it is nonetheless I wouldn't call that a fad diet. Um, high carb carb cycling, same thing that's been around for decades. Um, it's fairly established, um, carb backloading, uh, intermittent fasting, uh, macro-based dieting, flexible dieting. Um, you know, there was a time a few years back when you might've considered that a fad, but not anymore. I think it's, it's, it's here to stay just because there's been a great body of evidence that shows that, um, uh, shows that it works, um it's something that's sustainable and it's kind of lifestyle changing for a lot of people so um i think that's a good one i think it's here to stay as well so as far as other fad diets or i mean i'm i don't know i'm thinking about things like um i don't know what atkins be a fad diet that's been around for so long and it's basically just you know it's ketogenic um like the zone diet i mean i, I don't know if we're talking about things that have been marketed or branded as certain things um in general I don't support any diet like that because a diet that was written to, to sell a book was written to sell a book. It was not necessarily written with, um, you know, sustainability or efficacy in mind necessarily. So, um, Oh, here, here's a good one. Like the blood type diet, there's some serious pseudoscience bullshit behind that. So that is not a legit thing. That's more like quackery than a fad diet though. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, (laughs) So uh, I appreciate it, Tyler. You lobbed me up with a softball, and I took a swing and a miss. I don't have a whole lot to say on that one. Um, And then uh, Rob says, do you reduce calories or add more cardio or both when cutting? Well, clearly both. Um, You just need to uh, cut your calories in half and do an hour of cardio every day, and you're set. I'm kidding. Uh, But to to some extent, what I did um, when I started my cut was my plan was to – (laughs) <laughs> this was kind of ambitious. And also one of the reasons why I hired a coach, although she's she's kind of like kept me around the same basic level on this. I went from doing no cardio. So I started my cut at the beginning, uh, end of July. Um, and I think the I had done since. I don't know, like February or March, I'd done maybe like two cardio sessions. So I was the poster child for fat and lazy off season, no cardio. Um, and then, so I said, Hey, you know what? It's cutting time. I'm going to do 25 minutes every single day. Um, and so now I'm down to, to six days, but today being a day off, I have to do a double. So I'm doing, um, an hour today, the two 30 minute sessions. So, um, I'm doing a fair bit for sure, but also I don't feel like all that much. And, you know, it it also has to, you have to take into consideration your goal and how long you're going to be doing this cut. So, um, for my goal, I have fairly ambitious goals. Um, I don't really want to hold back on anything. So I'm willing to do the work that needs to be done. I'm, you know, a half hour cardio a day, six or seven days a week. That doesn't scare me. Um, now, if I, if I get an email in the next 10 minutes here and she's bumped it up to 40 minutes, I may cry a little bit, but I'll get over that and I'll do it. Um, so it's not too much. So you've just got to sell it to yourself and be like, you know, this is part of it. This is fine. It's a chance to rock out on my elliptical, listen to some tunes. Um, and you know, basically create a need for an immediate shower afterwards. That's kind of the goal. So, um, and, and the caloric deficit, yeah, so I actually, I didn't, um, just because my diet was a little haphazard, I was kind of loosely tracking things, but not so much. So what I did, rather than making big caloric dips, is I just established a macro target that was a little bit lower than where I was kind of hovering around, um, and I stuck to it 100%. I completely nailed it. I cut out all the extraneous stuff, all of the the additional eating out, you know, the cheat meals here and there. I cut all that crap out completely. So I know exactly what my intake level is all days, um, every day, (laughs) every week for the month. Um, And it's been only then can you really say, okay, is this diet working for me or not? If you adhere to something 70 or 80% of the way, you have no idea if that diet is effective or not because you're not following it. Um, so you, you've, you've got to have something established that you can adhere to hundred percent. And this is where flexible dieting is helpful because as we did back in like episode 58 or whatever, when I put that diet together here, live on the podcast, um, I created it knowing, okay, this is going to be really easy for me to follow. And it has been, it's been super easy. So it was time well spent. Um, And you know that took you know thirty minutes on the podcast. It would have taken about ten if I wasn't trying to do it live as I was recording it. So uh, it's a small investment of time. I'm still rocking that same thing. I had a moment today where I'm like, do I want to change anything? You know, move any, uh, switch any meals around or anything like that? I'm like, nah, I'm good. I'm good with it. So, um, uh, so you've got to be at at some kind of a deficit. But when you add in cardio, suddenly your intake. If you're if you're at maintenance levels and you're not doing any cardio. And then you start doing cardio, suddenly if your diet stays the same, you're now at a deficit because you're burning, you know, two, three, 400 calories more per day. So um, you create a deficit through one or both, um, typically a combination of the two, just because there's a lot of value in doing cardio, increasing your conditioning as well. Um, But. You, you don't want to be too aggressive on a diet because it's not going to be sustainable in the long term. Um, and you could certainly, you know, let's say you, you know, for me, I'm currently at about 2,500 calories ish, something like that. Um, and if I was to drop it down to, let's say, 1900, okay, I can survive on 1900. I can perform on 1900. Eventually, sometime between now and the next 12 weeks, I'm going to plateau. What do I do then? You know, do, I, do I want to cut it down to 1,800? Keep in mind, I weigh 200 and, 211 pounds. So do I want to be on, running on 1,800 calories, 1,700, 1,600? If you drop it too low and you get stuck, what is there to do? You know, There's only so much you can do. I mean, With a little creativity, you can kind of work your way through it, but it's best not to paint yourself in that corner. Um, so don't get too aggressive with the diet, but the biggest thing is follow it 100% because it's only when you are 100% following it that you know how effective it is or isn't, and then you can intelligently make some decisions. And and I would say also at this point, I mean, clearly I am not in control of my own destiny at this point. I've hired somebody to control that for me, so I don't have to think about it. But if I had my druthers right now, um and we decided, okay, we need to step things up a little bit, and somebody said, you know, what do you want? Do you want fewer calories or more cardio? I'd be like, fewer calories, please. I can handle that because my appetite right now is fine. I'm at 2,500 calories. Like knock me down to 23, 2,200. I'm cool with that, and we'll keep the cardio where it is. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, not my call. But you've got to create a, a, you know, you've got to build a greater deficit one way or the other. So hopefully that helps a little bit. And I think unless, hold on, was there anything else that came in while I was recording this? Um, uh, Oh, yes. Yes, um, nine minutes ago. Taylor, thank you. Um, she said, "What do I think of Brett Contreras and his research training philosophies?" I think he thinks way too much about butts, way too much. But somebody's got to. Um, I haven't studied his stuff deeply, but I've read some of his stuff a while back, and it was all it, it was solid. It was solid. I think he runs the risk of getting just a little too deep in the weeds with all of his like you know stimulus electrode testing and all that. Like, you know, the, the other thing is muscle activation has as much to do with your brain as it does the mechanics of a movement. Like, how much does a movement click with you? I had this conversation with uh, Lainey, my coach, yesterday regarding that close grip press. Um, it's something that worked really well for me in the past. Um, I, I really liked it, and I felt like my mind-muscle connection was great, no issues there. And for some reason, I was struggling with it a little bit. And, and she acknowledged, she's like, yeah, sometimes I feel that way too. And I always feel like, you know, press downs are more effective. That's the thing. I mean, you know, you could do electrode stimulus testing on both of those movements. And it may be that the close grip bench press is, you know, is uh, statistically um, uh, more effective uh, by some significant measure, but that doesn't mean it's going to be true for everybody. You know, not everybody has um, an equal ability to perform a hip thrust and feel a maximal contraction in their glute. For a lot of people, their hamstrings want to take over. So I think in general, his philosophies are good. I think some of his bread and butter movements are good as well. Um, I think uh, I I, I am more about, hey, you know what? Let's mix it up and let's, you know, uh, if we're going to work glutes, let's try a whole bunch of different things. And it's kind of the equivalent of let's throw some shit at the wall and see what sticks see what really feels uh, what f- feels the most effective, and then um, we're going to hammer that, and, and we're going to roll on that, and we're going to try and improve the others as well and see if we can troubleshoot mind-muscle connection on some of the moves that feel like they have less engagement and build it up from there. But um, I, I wouldn't take um, any of the, the testing stuff, and I don't know if that's still a, a, a large tenet of what he does, but that was the one take-home point that I had in reading through some of his stuff a couple years back. Um, was, you know, he's establishing his credibility. He's like, look at all this stuff I've done. I'm like, yeah, but I don't know how universally, universally applicable all of that is. So, um, anyway, that was a great, great question. And, uh, Taylor, you snuck it right in on the wire. Oh, and, uh, I got a, a there's a video here from Penny that she just posted publicly as well. So hold on. Um, not the prettiest, but a PR rack pulls 295. Oh, let's check this shit out. Hold on. Is that slow motion video? <laughs> I kid I kid no that is great holy crap it said 295 for one we're going for a second rep here I see and yeah that doesn't look like it's happening nope <laughs> not bad for being 10 weeks out though that is uh that is kick ass uh and then somebody says are you competing for heavyweight lifting I'm concerned you're hurting your back and knees uh people. I I know people are just trying to be good and helpful, but you can do rack pulls and not injure yourself. It is possible. So, um, I could say something else really ugly there, but I'm just going to leave it at that. So, um, Okay, that's all I got for today. So peace out. I got a phone call to make here. I've got a plan to write up, and then I've got a nap to take and some food to eat. And uh, once I get my check-in back from my coach, maybe some tears to shed or uh, maybe a victory dance to uh, to bust out, depending on what happens. So we'll see. I'll keep you posted on that. So appreciate everybody for hanging in there. I'm going to sign off for the weekend now. I'll catch up with you next week. Hope everybody, hope everybody has... a great one and be in touch.